Now, Paul talked often about, um, used analogies about athletics and exercise. And in Acts chapter 24, if you turn there, you might say, how is all this tying in with prophecy? It's not tying in with prophecy tonight. We're, we're following up on this morning's message on Psalm 51, where David dealt with sin, and David ended up um, clearing his conscience. Notice Acts 24, and just for the sake of time, I want to just direct your attention to verse 16. Paul says, and herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He exercises himself to always have a conscience void of offense before God and before men. An unclear conscience or a... A sinful conscience hinders our relationship with God. It robs us of the power of God. It hinders our relationship with others. It gives the world a bad view of our Savior, gives the world a bad view of God, and it brings bondage. And, and God takes this very, very serious. In Matthew chapter 5, he said, if you bring your gift to me and there remember that there's an offense between you and your brother, he says, I don't even want you to offer the gift. Leave your gift there and go and make things right. Clear your conscience. So he takes that very, very serious. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, I want you to hold faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, they've put away a good conscience, have made their faith shipwrecked. They didn't deny the faith. They didn't compromise the faith in the sense of saying, I don't believe this anymore or I don't believe that. They had their faith, but they did not hold it in a clear conscience, and they put away from their faith a good conscience, and they made their faith shipwrecked. And then he went on and says, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I've delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So he he places a very, very important position on a clear conscience. So what is a clear conscience? A definition I heard many, many years ago is being able to look everyone in the eye and know that you have not wronged them without seeking forgiveness and trying to make it right. Being able to look anyone and everyone in the eye and know that you have not wronged them without seeking forgiveness and trying to make it right. Someone else has said it's the ability to say there is not a single person I have ever wronged, hurt, or offended that I have not gone back to 
and asked forgiveness and sought to make it right. And you might say, that is impossible. Well, the story of Christianity is not about moral people achieving perfection. It's the story of sinful people finding redemption in Jesus Christ and sharing that forgiveness and seeking that forgiveness with others. So tonight, I want us to look at this aspect of a clear conscience and mention some things, and then we're going to give you, those that desire it, a personal conscience inventory. Some of you may have seen it, but it's always good for us um, to, to examine these areas in our life. First of all, a clear conscience involves two areas. David, in Psalm 51, said, against you and you only have I sinned. First of all, it involves God. In Acts 24:16, he said, I exercise myself always to have a conscience void of offense before God and before others. So it involves confessing our sins to God and repenting. And resting, as we mentioned this morning, in the fact that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The second area it involves is with others. And this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, most of us can, yep, I've violated God, but This others, it may be a parent, it may be a sibling, it may be a neighbor or a teacher or a relative or a friend or not a friend. It may be a pastor or a coach or a boss or a co-worker or a store owner or a government official or a fellow brother in Christ or a child or step-parents or stepchildren or someone you dated, and we could go on and on and on. It involves people. And you might say, um, wow, this is, this is overwhelming. This is, this is an incredible thing about the working of God's Spirit in our lives. When we say, God, I am committed to having a clear conscience, He leads us step by step. I'm not saying he may not bring several that you need to clear your conscience with. But he doesn't give you a list of 450 and say, check back with me when you're done. Now, there may be 450 that we need to deal with. And you say, well, that couldn't be. Just deal with the next one. But it involves God and it involves others. And it requires seeking forgiveness and making restitution. It requires seeking forgiveness and making restitution. We mentioned Proverbs 28:13 this morning. If we cover our sin, we will not prosper. But whosoever confesses and forsakes it shall have mercy. Now, I, I, I know I've been here. I... I live here, okay? I don't mean here. Of course I live here. But I mean in wrestling with these, our mind immediately comes up with all these, well, I don't even know 
where they are. Uh, I'm sure it happened so long ago that they won't remember it. It was just a little thing. Uh, I don't know how I'd get in contact with them. Uh, that used to hold a little weight until we had the Internet and you can find anything about anybody. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we had a soccer game the other night and the officials looked pretty young. And I said, I wonder how old they are. And Andrew got on his phone and he said, one of them's 23. Uh, I think all of them were 20. We knew where they lived. We can go get them if we want to. But no, I'd have to clear my conscience. They were very good officials, by the way, okay? But, I mean, you think, oh, the government's spying on you. No, your neighbor's probably spying on you. And he's probably using your Internet to do it, okay? But the reality is, we make rationalizations. Oh, I don't know that this would turn out well. They wouldn't understand. They're unsaved. That's all the more reason to go make it right. What a testimony of God's grace of, of going back and making things right with others. It requires seeking forgiveness and making things right. We had in our church in Montana a young man about 23 or so, um, maybe a little older than that, um, had couple small kids and and was just working hard to make things work and was a ranch hand and a mechanic on the ranch and anyway he got saved and and God started dealing in his life and he remembered that he went to the junkyard west of town in the middle of the night and stole the rear end off a pickup and God said, you need to go make that right. And he thought, oh, man. So he went out there and he said to the guy, six months, a year, I don't remember. I This is what I did. And I'm a Christian and I want to make it right. God has convicted me about this. I want to make it right. And he made it right with the man, and the man said, you are the first true Christian I have ever met. Had he met a lot of people that professed to be Christians? Yeah, and probably some of them were. But in his mind, he knows what true Christianity is, even though he wasn't. And we think, they're unsaved. They won't understand. No, that's all the more reason. They do understand, and they said, if you're a Christian and you're living like this, there's something wrong. But if we come back, see, the problem is not that we do wrong. I mean, not approving it. The problem is we never correct it. Some of our greatest testimonies are when we seek forgiveness for what we've done wrong. It shows the grace of God at work in our life. So it involves... Um, seeking forgiveness and making restitution. When, when my dad died and we went through some of his things, I found a letter from the Department of the Army, um, the office of the Adjutant General from Washington, D.C., and I thought, oh, this must be his discharge papers. And I read it. And... Um, it said, Dear Mr. St. Lawrence, I'm replying to your letter of the recent date 
with which you enclosed a check in the amount of $25 in payment for bedding taken by you at the time of your discharge from the army. As contributions of this nature are to be made to the director of the Bureau of Accounts, Department of Treasury, gives an address to the attention of the Conscience Fund, I have forwarded your donation to that official. Sincerely yours, Herbert M. Jones, Major General, United States Army. I read that and I thought, wow. My dad took serious this stuff about having a clear conscience. I I was curious and and I um checked out this conscience fund. Did you know it is one of three funds maintained by the United States Department of Treasury and it's used for voluntary contributions from people who have stolen from or defrauded the United States government. The fund was created in 1811 and received $5 in its first year, and has received over $5.7 million during its first 175 years. The fund's name comes from a letter sent to the U.S. with a $1,500 check for previously misappropriated funds, saying, suppose we call this contribution to the conscience fund and get it announced in the newspaper and perhaps we'll get some more. Well, needless to say, nearly six million dollars more. I mean, it's varied from a nine cent donation to, um, I think the highest was a forty thousand dollar payment made in installments for previous, uh, misappropriation or defrauding the government. And um, these people wanted to clear their conscience. Not always is the sincerity of their repentance um, genuine. For example, one sent his letter, Dear Internal Revenue Service, I have not been able to sleep at night because I cheated on last year's income tax Enclosed, find a cashier's check for $1,000. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the balance. (laughs) Now, that wasn't a total commitment to clearing his conscience, all right? But clearing our conscience involves more than just saying, God, would you forgive me, and, and having him take care of it. Um. We also had in the church in Montana a guy that worked for Burlington Northern. Their their roundhouse was there. Roundhouse meaning that's a big place where they bring the locomotives in and they have a big turntable that they can turn them around and work on it. Anyway, I didn't want you to think it was round like this auditorium. And Anyway, why did I say all that? But it was... There were guys in Livingston that built entire garages with materials stolen from Burlington Northern. I mean, tools would just... And he was convicted when he picked up a tool in his garage and his, like, eight- or nine-year-old boy is there, and he's realizing... 
This tool says BN on it, Burlington Northern. And so he said, I got in and I started gathering stuff that I had taken. And see, we can rationalize it. Ah, oh, they ripped me off on this and that, and, and they're a big company, and they don't care about us little guys. And we can, rip, we can rationalize anything. But he took the stuff back, and his foreman said, I, you don't want to open this can of worms, he said, you know. I don't know what to do with it. John said, I don't care what you do with it. This is something I need to do to clear my conscience. And as a result, the Lord restored unto him, Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of the Lord. But it involves um, making things right, seeking forgiveness. I was I was thinking today as I was going over this, you know, there may be a lot of people here that don't realize what was done um, nearly not quite 30 years ago. On July 8, 1988, at a quarterly business meeting, this church voted to send letters to all our former pastors asking their forgiveness for not honoring their authority, for not respecting it. It didn't mean they they didn't do things wrong, but we wanted to clear our conscience. That I look back on that. It wasn't my idea at all to do this. It was God. I had no plans for that. But God led us to that. The people of this church, and thankfully there's still some here that remember that. Some of them might not remember, but they were here. I know that, okay? But the reality is they had a commitment enough to say, if that's what God says to do, then we're going to do it. And I believe that is a very, very important key in, in helping turn things around and help get things going in the right direction. And I thought as we were, we were, I was going over this today, I thought, you know, there may be people here that don't even know that that happened. But it's those things, you can't minimize this. And this pursuing a clear conscience is not a one-time thing. It requires, as we said, sustained daily effort. It is something that we must continually be aware of. I, I have too many times had to go and seek forgiveness and make things right. And honestly, that's not a fun thing to do. I don't wake up in the morning. Let's see, how can I offend someone so I can go make it right? Because I like doing that. No, it's not a fun thing to do. And honestly... There are times that I want to say something to someone and it's like, forget that. I don't want to have to go and say, I am sorry for saying. And it's by the fear of the Lord that men depart from evil. And it's understanding, you know what? No, I am not going to go there because I know I'd have to go back and make that right. And it's better to not do the wrong than to go make it right. And that's where it's like that. It requires sustained daily effort. 
it it is being alert to this, aware to this. Proverbs 22 and verse 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And to be alert to do whatever is necessary to pursue a good name. It doesn't mean people will always agree with you. It doesn't mean necessarily they'll even like you. But so that they can't say, you did me wrong and you never sought to make it right. And the reality is, this is the, this is the nitty gritty of the Christian life. It is, um, it is a powerful tool in our life to help us avoid evil. It is a powerful tool in the lives of others that, um, see that God is working in our life and that, wow, there are people that are willing to humble themselves and seek forgiveness. We will never, as individuals, as couples, as families, as a church, we will never be blessed while we run, while we hide, while we cover, while we blame shift, while we avoid sin. You know, we can fool every, we all look like good people here, you know. But the reality is, what are we like in our heart? He desires truth in the inward parts. And what are we like? You know what? Sometimes the clearing of our conscience begins right in our own home. It's not enough to just say, oh, they'll get over it. It's not enough to say, well, I'll do better. No, it's going back and making things right. But it requires sustained daily effort. Exercise yourself to have a conscience void of offense before God and men. And it is worth every effort. Better is a little, Proverbs 16, 18 says. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. God promises, if we confess and forsake, to pour mercy upon us. He says the pure in heart will see God. doesn't just mean you'll get to heaven. You'll see the reality of God working in, in your life. And it is important for us to, to understand, does it take sustained daily effort? Is it work? Yes, it is. But it is well worth it. And to understand the importance that God places on this. Now, I understand this isn't, this isn't a message tonight that necessarily makes us walk out feeling good. But if we obey the promptings of God's Spirit, we can have great joy. We can have purity of heart restored. We can have usefulness restored that we mentioned this morning, Psalm 51. We can have joy and gladness restored. We can't just, as I mentioned this morning, go off the road, take another entrance back on and go on. We need to go back and make things right. And in doing it, um, the experiences that I've had in doing it, it makes me 
it makes me say, wow, God, what a great God you are. For every one of encouraging people um, to seek a pure conscience, there's others that have said, you know, I, I just don't see how I can do it. I use examples from Livingston because it's a long ways away from here, but a man said, Pastor, we were in hard times, and I burned my house down to get insurance money. I don't, I don't know how I can ever make that right. You know, the reality is, I mean, it's easy to say, but it's the truth. Sitting in jail with a clear conscience is better than being hounded all your life without it. And it is amazing the accounts of individuals that have obeyed God, how God poured mercy upon them. See, the fact of the matter is all of us, we just don't have a skeleton in our closet. We have graveyards in our closet. Christ came to save sinners. And you might say, well, didn't he forgive all my sin? Yes, he did. But this is what I challenge you to do. We're going we're gonna to make available to you a personal conscience inventory. Those of you that um, went through, the ladies, I think, think, went through seeking him, it was in that. Um, but I encourage you to take this inventory and, and to go through it. Um, if I could have a couple men come and, and help hand these out. Um, and to go through it and just say, God, I want you to bring to mind, I am making this commitment. I am committed to gaining a clear conscience. As God brings things to my mind, I will deal with it biblically and then always seek to protect my conscience. I mean, as we commit to that, this is, this is where revival begins. It's in things like this. I mean, we, we can pray, Lord, help the government and all this, but this is where genuine revival begins. And um, it is important for us to just, don't be overwhelmed. Just say, God, as you bring things to my mind, by your grace and through your power, I will deal with it biblically and seek then to protect my conscience. I know, I know this can be unnerving, but it is God calling us to a, a place of blessing. It's God calling us to his greatness, and we may have to make more of those. If so, somebody can help you with the copier back there, but we want to make sure that you have one of these. Um, and just to prayerfully go through this and, and to think about that and the reality of it. How many more do we need? Raise your hand if you didn't get one, okay? Uh, make 25 more. So, um, but this is, this is very, very important. And tonight, 
um, in just a moment, we're just going to close in prayer and be dismissed and purposely did it that way so that this is what we're thinking about as we go. Um, don't underestimate the power of God. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And there's no question about it that this is God's will. We pray, God, show me your will. Show me your will. Well, he's given us his will. This is his will. And many times he won't show us a further advancement of his will until we've taken care of what he's shown us. And and I understand the reality of... Um, of various um, rationalizations that we come up with. But you just obey the Spirit of God, and you will see Him work. And it it is. It's a joyful thing. It's an abundant thing. And um, this is foundational to all the working of God. You want God's blessing on your life. You want His blessing in your marriage. Exercise yourself to have a conscience void of offense before God and before men. Raise your hand if you didn't get a paper yet. So over here on this side, over here, okay, Let's just bow together in prayer. If you didn't get one, tackle Kurt on the way out, all right? And then you can ask him to forgive you for doing that after you've done it, all right? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would find in us hearts longing for your power and purity and longing for a clear conscience. And Lord, I pray that there would be great, great testimonies of your grace and provision as a result of each of us obeying the promptings of your Spirit. So Lord, I rejoice that whatever you call us to do, you will give us the power to do it. And I pray that great glory would be brought to you. I pray that... Others would be able to see true Christianity, and Lord, that you would be glorified, as I know you will, if we obey you. So Lord, thank you for the privilege of walking in truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Pursue a clear